Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass, episode 240. Glad you could join us. We got a bit more of a compact show this week, but we do have some good topics, so let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Jason. Hey guys, this is Jason. I'm one of the co-hosts here on Biomass, and uh, I do play some games and do some stuff, and uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about one of the recent movies that came out for the most part tonight. That's right. All right, Libby, you're up. Hi, uh, yes, I'm Libby, um, also co-host here, game playing, uh, and I did see the movie that Jay is talking about, so I'm excited to talk about it. And I'm Pokey Draven, I help host the show here, and I do a lot of our YouTube content uh, along with Libby. But uh, yeah, so, let's start with the movie. This is uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, I thought that film was going to be good, it, it was really good, like really really good like that's probably my favorite origin superhero film i've probably ever seen like it it, it worked so well but what'd you guys think uh, i was a little skeptical at first because uh i mean i knew you said it was a good movie and i kind of went in blind not knowing what it was but i was actually very surprised and pleased with how it came out yeah i would uh you know i i i wasn't sure what to think of uh in terms of this movie, I'm I'm a I'm obviously a big comic book nerd. Um, I've seen a lot of origin stories for superhero movies, which that's that's what the vast majority of them are. To be honest with you, uh, this was an origin story. However, it was very much written in a way or built in a way where you dove very deep into like Marvel Spider-Man sort of like lore and backstory, and a lot of people didn't realize it. Um, Probably the most visually stunning movie I have seen in a very long time. I, maybe since Avatar, in all fairness. Um, it, I, I thought it was going to be good, uh, but I did not realize it was going to be great. And, and I think that's the general theme. It's, it's getting some killer scores on Metacritic, Rotten Tomatoes, things like that. Uh, word of mouth is huge. Uh, Definitely a movie made by people who love comic books, and we'll talk a little bit about that later and some of the technical details they put in. Uh, but really, really just all around great movie. Uh, when my 10-year-old sits there and is in rapt silence with his eyes wide open, just staring at the screen, not wanting to take a bathroom break for the entire movie, you know, when you know my wife, who is not a comic book nerd, nerd is enthralled by the movie, and when my mom who is certainly not a comic book nerd is enthralled by the movie. You know, it's, there's something big going on. Yeah. I mean, the reviews are, are coming back. Fantastic. It's got a, a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes, which is obscenely good. 8.7 on IMDb and then 87 on Metacritic. I mean, those are all really, really solid and, and absolutely fair scores. It, it's incredible movie. Uh, you kind of mentioned it before, Jay, the visual style was fantastic. And probably, I, I, I venture to say, it's the most unique visual style I've seen in a film ever. Like, it, I mean, you've got Avatar, which is, of course, gorgeous, beautiful CG and all that. But this was, it had a lot of character in it. Like, every single shot, you could probably take any frame from that movie and see how much color and character and, and, and you know, pizzazz that's got to it. And it really dials deep into, you know, the origins of... of Spider-Man, you know, comic books, and it's got little flips and little bangs and and just like even like very subtle stuff like the dual like the duotone like from the print of a comic book you'll see it like in the skin of the characters, and it's it's subtle it's not over the top and it just it, it meshes so well because you notice it 
but it's not distracting. So it really adds a lot of character and, um, and depth to what you're seeing. And I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. Like, like the little trailer they had was, was beautiful. Um, and that scene is, is amazing, but the rest of the film matches that, you know, in its, in its, uh, in, in how good it looks. Um, one thing I'd like, one thing I'd like to just talk about real, real quick. I, I think we've kind of break this down into a couple things. Uh, there's kind of the story part, uh, the story and the character part, which I think we can get into. And then there's the, some of the technical piece, pieces in terms of uh, the visuals and sort of that very unique style that they, that they put out, which I believe that Sony is actually trying to patent uh, because of some of the things they did in there uh, from a technical standpoint. Um, from a story standpoint, this is definitely uh, the Miles Morales story. So for a lot I would say a fair amount of people do know by now, obviously, but prior to this, a lot of people may not have realized that there was an additional Spider-Man. There's a lot of spider, there's a lot of different kind of different dimensions in the, in the comic book universes. And they refer to this as a, as a spider verse movie, uh, which is actually not the first time this has been done. It's actually been done in, in uh, cartoon, in one of the late cartoon series, which was very well received. Uh, it's been in the comics for a while. It was actually done in, I want to say, the late 80s, early 90s Spider-Man uh, uh, cartoons as well. So th these have been around for a little while. But Miles Morales is a uh, half Latino, half African American kid from inner city New York. Uh, and, he, and through a set of circumstances, he is bitten by, I believe, the same, in, the, in, the, in the actual comic book imprint, the, the same spider that uh, bit Peter. It had a very similar effect, and there's, but there are some differences in his powers that, that sort of play out in the film a little bit. Um, and in that, and in that universe, it was the Marvel Ultimates universe, which has kind of long since been defunct. But they folded a lot of those characters into the mainstream universe, or at least several of them. Miles Morales being one. In that world, in the like the Ultimate Spider-Man, the Ultimate Marvel Ultimate universe, that Spider-Man Peter Parker was killed. Um, not really going to go into a lot of spoilers here, but newsflash, like, there's a Spider-Man that gets killed in this movie. Um, it was a different setup, different sort of scene that occurred that allowed that to happen, but ultimately that generated Miles Morales becoming Spider-Man. And, and when that came out, there was a lot of interesting uh, sort of backlash, for lack of a better term. Uh, some of it was kind of stupid backlash, uh, like, hey, Spider-Man's white, why is he you know, not white. And I actually kind of fell down on the side of, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it because I was like, hey, that, well, that that is my Peter Parker that I grew up with. That's the Spider-Man I read when I was literally a little, little kid. I actually liked the character of Miles Morales a lot. Like he, like the stories that they wrote about him, particularly those, that initial run were phenomenal. Uh, I, you know, I initially, I wish that they had just come up with a new character for him and, and kept Miles Morales. However, the way they did it was kind of interesting in the comic book. Um, they reacted to it in some of the panels where other superheroes would meet Miles Morales, who originally wore the the OG Spider-Man red and blues. And a couple of them were like, look, that is that is not respecting the old Spider-Man. You're a new Spider-Man. You need to be different. And then it changes his it changes his character a lot, just the look of his character, and suddenly things are, for the most part, settled down, like in the real world, so to speak. Flash forward into the movie, you get a 
a wide variety of things that go on in there. And you see, you see a lot about Miles' life and how it's different than Peter's, at least the traditional Peter Parker. Then suddenly you start seeing a lot of these other spider spider men flash women show up uh, from all these different comic book imprints. Uh, and there were, it's basically a merging of the multi the Marvel multiverse in New York based on this big experiment that uh, Kingpin was uh, forcing to ha to happen. Now, that in and of itself is really just a raison d'etre for a lot of these different versions of Spider-Man to come in. And they're all fairly well fleshed out in a fairly surprising way. A lot of really good voice acting in this, by the way. Uh, like, incredible voice acting. Uh, all the way from the original Peter Parker that dies, which is Chris Pine, uh, all the way down to uh, the Spider-Man Noir, who's Nick Cage. I mean, it's it's pretty wide gamut of people. So, as they're going through this through the story piece, uh, the spy the different Spider-Men have to come together, and, and it's centered around Miles's experience uh, for the most part. And then you have, I think it's the actual mainstream Spider-Man, aka Hobo P Hobo Spider-Man, or uh, you know, fat fat and out of shape Spider-Man, Dad Bod Spider-Man. Dad bod, yes, <laughs> and and it's it's a much much older Spider Man. He's I think he said he's been at it for uh, almost twenty years, which puts him in his mid to late thirties, um, and he's he's definitely tired and worn out. Uh, and he does become that reluctant mentor for Miles, and in a way, many of the other Spider Spider Men uh, do as well. So you've got, like I said, the the noir Spider Man noir that comes out, which is he's almost much more of a Batman-esque character in his comic book, by the way. Um, we've got a manga version. Uh, I don't know that much about that one. Spider-Ham was definitely a comic book version, sort of an anthropomorphic, uh, you know, uh, cartoon, sort of Looney Tunes, Marvel world. Uh, then you had, like I said, Hobo Peter, uh, which I, I do believe that that is the mainstream Marvel uh, Earth-616 Spider-Man, by the way. Uh, that's actually a flash forward of what our, like basically Tom Holland would be, you know, in 20 years. Um, and then you had Spider-Gwen. Uh, so Gwen Stacy becoming, uh, taking the role of Spider-Man. And Peter Parker actually had the role of the, uh, the lizard, uh, which was kind of an interesting sort of byplay on how that worked. And, and that comic was actually pretty well written as well. So all of this comes together around Miles' experience as he's learning what it means to be Spider-Man. And then you actually watch New York City mourn Sp Peter Parker as Spider-Man. And that's announced to Peter, you know, Peter Parker, this, you know, you know, young mid, mid twenties guy was, uh, the actual Spider-Man who is a very beloved hero in the normal Spider-Man world. He's actually a fairly popular street level hero. Uh, and miles is going through this and he sees this, uh, and it, Kind of culminates, as you can imagine, with getting the all the different multiverse Spider-Men and woman uh, women back to their home dimensions, because the longer they stay in this dimension, they start to derez, so to speak, or you know, they're eventually going to fade away, or you know something's going to happen. Now, all this is under the backdrop of the the Kingpin trying to execute this experiment in order to bring back his wife and son, which really and and sort of the background behind that it really humanizes the character of kingpin quite a bit and leave schreiber does a phenomenal job as kingpin very kind of tony soprano style character and it, it is 
drawn very much in the way of the traditional kingpin, where it's just this huge wall of a guy. Um, it's you know this you know, truly cartoonish figure. It's not even the Vincent D'Onofrio uh, you know style that you've probably seen in Daredevil. Uh, but he, it really does humanize, humanize what he is. Uh, he was actually a family man that really, really did love his family, even though he was this terrible mob boss all in the same sort of character. Uh, and then the family walks in, sees him and Spider-Man going at it. They realize that if he's fighting Spider-Man and he's being this type of person, he's clearly the mob boss. They've probably all known that he's been, but just denied because he was such a loving father and husband. Family splits, they run away, they get in a car wreck and die. Kingpin blames Spider-Man, hence a lot of the animosity. So that's really the nutshell of the story. It's, it's a great, uh, very complex, sort of classic comic book, multi-dimension story that really does a great job of telling Miles Morales' personal journey into becoming Spider-Man. And that's sort of my... You know, my very my probably three minute rundown on the the story itself. I was kind of curious your guys' thoughts about the story, uh, the you know kind of the, the acting, the voice acting around it, and things like that. Like if you were, because uh, I'm going to assume I'm probably the most uh, comic book read person on this out of the group. But like, were you guys? How were you guys taken into that story world, and what were your thoughts on kind of that narrative that they played out? So you're probably you're right that you're probably the most versed here, Libby's somewhere in between me and you and I'm, I'm not versed at all, but it's uh, you know, for, for someone that, that doesn't know much about, I've, I've known about different spider verse, that sort of thing, but didn't know much about the specifics. It was, it was very eye opening, very interesting to kind of see, um, you know, a mix of all this stuff and, and the different iterations and how much it has varied like drastically. Like they pretty much picked like is, is, six different versions that get about as far away from each other as you can probably get, which is really smart because it does show the different shades of, of where, you know, this is, this is gone, the different versions they've had and different stories they've told with it. Um, and, you know, myself, I, I came back and started, you know, Googling a lot of these cause I've never heard of, you know, Penny Parker. Like that's, I didn't even realize that was a thing, you know um, it was, it was a really cool introduction to if you tangentially know, kind of what's going on but to kind of bring you into the hey we got a lot going on here you could check out it, it's it's really cool stuff you know um but i think uh like you said telling the, the story of, of miles morales is just this was really good it was kind of an interesting way to do an origin story because you've got a character who it, it's they're they're not gonna i mean they kind of make fun of it a bit too where they, they talk about you know a bit my spider and da, 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 da. um but you've got a character who is literally learning from an existing character that already had their origin story. So it, it, coming into this from seeing various iterations of Spider-Man and seeing this one, him almost learning from those, those versions is, was, was really cool and kind of unique. And I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was very compelling. And like I said, the, the way that they, they portray his character is it's very likable, um, kind of a, a young, not really sure what he's doing, but forced to go into a very, intense situation well beyond you know what he's really ready for and uh, it just worked really really well so i i huge fan of it i thought it was like i said one of the best origin stories for a superhero film i've seen in a very long time if not one of the best have you got any thoughts uh, Livy stepped away for a minute oh, she'll be back okay. in a second but uh yeah no i mean it's like i said it's it was just really really solid and i think you know you said it well with with kind of your your mix of of 
family members and, and obviously different interests and in, in, in ages. Um, very compelling for all of them. And I think that that's, that's true. And it, it, it really does, uh, it pulls you in regardless of how invested or how knowledgeable you are of all of this. And I think it's a film that is very approachable um, regardless of, of how much you know. And it, it might teach you a few things. It might show you kind of some cool stuff you already know. But I think overall it was just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I would say uh, overall the story itself that they told was – you know, I, I would give that probably nine out of ten. One, just taking a stab at that for for that kind of movie, uh, that's a complex thing to lay out, and they did a really good job. Uh, so I give them probably nine out of ten on the story. I thought the voice acting, suit just top to bottom, was phenomenal. Uh, they had some outstanding actors that were given really good, really really good stories and characters to work with. Uh, that showed well. Um, but, you know, overall thought it did great. Uh, and it would not surprise me if we see a, uh, you know, a spider verse two or something along that lines or some kind of follow up to this, but it was great real quick before we kind of transition to a little bit of sort of the very unique visual style in this. I want to give like mad shout out to the soundtrack of this movie. I went out and I actually bought it like driving home. I like iTunes it on the way home from the, um, from the theater. Great soundtrack. Absolutely awesome soundtrack. Uh, and it, it, you know, it was kind of custom built for the, you know, for the movie. And it is every, everything about it, uh, the tone, the lyrics, language, like the style of music. It's a very multicultural kind of blend of all kind of different, different music styles. It, it makes you feel like some, you know, that is what Miles and Morales would be listening to. That's, that is that would be the sounds of that universe, and they did a really good job of it. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely give that a plug, and, and not just in terms of buying the movie. Like, check out the definitely check out the soundtrack. It's very very good, um, and not in a kitschy kind of way like kind of the Guardians of the Galaxy one was. This is definitely this is like a tailor made sort of. Uh, you know, ambiance with the music. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of Post Malone. I like a lot of, a lot of stuff. He did a great song called Sunflower on this. Phenomenal. Uh, really, really good song. And my son loves it. He actually is a big fan of What's Up Dangerous, like kind of the Miles Morales theme song. It's really good. So, um, moving on, I've got to ask. So, Pokey, I know we all saw the trailer and we said, wow, this looks kind of neat because, you know, it's like, okay, Spider-Man cartoon, but then in the you know, less than one minute trailer, there was something we could already tell going on about it that didn't look didn't look the same as most comic comic book cartoony kind of movies. What was your first thoughts or, or at what point did you just catch yourself in the movie going, This is not something I've seen before? Um I think it was in, in I'm not sure how to describe it. It was probably the release of a subtle implementation of the 2D elements into a kind of pseudo 3D um, experience, like just the, you know, like I said, they, they integrated a lot of classic comic book visuals into what you were seeing in a 3D film, and you don't typically get that. It's usually, you know, very cartoony style or very realistic or it's, you know, 2D. And it was really just kind of this mix of all of it, and it just worked really, really well. Um, Cause you, you, you get, you get some parts like in the trailer with, uh, 
you know, he jumps off the building and there's kind of this really cool glass, colorful effect. But then there's other times where they've got like almost purely 2D elements going on. And that was kind of what I was just looking at, just like, holy shit, like there's just, there's a lot of stuff going on the screen, but it, it was executed so well. Yeah, the, um, a couple a couple things that jumps out. So yeah, you kind of mentioned this um, earlier. Now, number one, all of the all of the animation generally was very crisp, very on point. Um, it it was this is probably the the highest quality general animation that you're gonna find. Period. I mean, it, it was it was very very good. That's that's the base layer. Um, now, let me, now to add on to that, uh, in every scene, it had had its own feel. Like as the tone of the movie would change, the style of the animation subtly shifts. But there's a lot of there's a lot of craft detail that goes on that in it, in it, in its individual nature. Once you know about it, and you go and you look for it. You're like, wow, okay, that's kind of cool. But it's when you don't know about it and you see all of these things and suddenly there are all these layers stacked up on each other, it's amazing. So, for example, super, super crisp-based animation. Like, very, very well done. Uh, it's very, very smooth and very fluid. And then in some... But then it will change and you'll see it almost uh, intentionally... It looks almost like a lag effect in some ways. It's very, very subtle where it like slows down and almost stutter stops a little bit of the action, almost as though you're like looking between panels in a, in a comic book. Um, there's a lot, a, and, a, and I mean a lot, of very well done, well integrated sort of 3D effects in the, in, in the animation itself. Um, a good example would be like when you see Miles tagging stuff or, and all of the, uh, the wall art that he does, um, that's actually floating off of the wall in the animation. So when you see them move away, it, it floats perspective. Uh, and then what, now that you know that you can, if you go back and watch the movie, you'll see it. And it, it literally looks as though you've got one of those little 3d, um, kind of pictures in front of you, you kind of move your face around a little bit. And it sort of seems like the image is floating. That's what that, that's what his wall art does. Um, if you remember the old, uh, like if you read comic books as a kid, not and what I mean as a kid, probably 15, 20 years ago. So I, I acknowledge some some folks in the audience probably don't get this because they're they're just printed differently now. But uh, a comic books all the way up through probably the early nineties, uh, maybe mid mid nineties, you would get this sort of uh, smeared dotting effect on it where they were trying to overlay. These sort of like uh, red, green, blue dot matrix uh, style prints on it, and it was very common. You'd see it in a lot of the different panels where you could actually see the color dots because they weren't perfectly meshed, and you got that effect in several, like intentionally, in several different scenes. Uh, you also saw a lot of the text box or the cartoon thought bubbles, the sound bubbles, like the you know as you kind of said earlier, Pokey, the the thwips, the bonks, things like that. Uh, I, I fell out laughing, you know, uh, Miles throws a bagel at these, uh, these bad guys that are chasing him and, and it bonks off one of the, the people's head, you know, the scientist with the, you know, with the laser rifle falls over, but you see the word bagel with a exclamation point over the head when she goes down instead of bonk, uh, very much a, 
you know, late 80s, early 90s Marvel Comics sort of thing that they would have done. Um, it that, The movie did not in any way break the fourth wall, but it certainly was incredibly self-aware that it was effectively being a living comic book. And that came out over the visual style from start to finish. Each one of the different Spider-Men had a very unique animation style that they carried um, throughout the entire sort of movie. Spider-Man War was definitely written as though it was a pulp, pulp fiction or, you know, kind of black and white pulp character. The manga Spider-Girl Spider was 100% Sailor Moon style cartoon drawings. Spider-Ham literally looked like he fell off of a Looney Tunes truck. And they maintain they, they maintain these styles throughout the entire movie, and it just blended incredibly well. Uh, just the visuals of the movie were just really, really, really spectacular. And when I heard that Sony was trying to uh, patent components of that or the manner that they did that, I, I don't know enough about the technical components to tell you if it's just parts of how they did it or that or that style specifically. It totally didn't surprise me. That was a very unique way of doing it. Yeah, I think you raise a good point there because they the, the way that they present the world is such a way that when they bring those characters in, they carry their own unique um, visual style. Like you said, there's one that's like full 2D, um, you know, one's more and more 3D. They, they all seem to still fit. Like they look unique and they look like they stand out, like they don't quite belong, but it's not so jarring that it looks weird. And I think that was really what was, was great about it is it the characters didn't look weird in the space they were in, but they still felt like they weren't supposed to be there, but in kind of a good way. And I thought that was very impressive. It was just, you know, it, it, it blended very well. And I think that the way they set up the visuals of the world leading up until you see all of them uh, just worked so well for that. Yeah, I'm just looking through some screenshots here. And, and kind of like I mentioned before, you know, when it's, it's the really subtle stuff like the, the halftone dotting effect, like you said. And it, it's not just like they're splashing up on the screen. Like you see it just like in the texture of uh, – I think I noticed it probably in a scene where uh, – uh, Miles is talking to his uncle, and his uncle puts his hand on his shoulder, and they kind of do a close-up of the hand, and you see um, that that duotone, that, that halftone effect, like, in the texture of his hand, and it's like, you know, they're, they're really subtly putting it in, like, this like said, is a living comic, it's not just meant to be, you know, we're throwing up bangs and wishes, it's, they really make you feel like it's it's part of this, this overall um, visual theme, and it's just, it was really, really cool, I, I know I keep saying that, but... Uh, I was just very impressed by how they could do it in such a tasteful and subtle manner that you notice, but it, it still blended really well, and it just it was fantastic. Can you tell them? Hey, that, I think that's that was some of the, the key things I saw in there. Like, you just see these really subtle touches that uh, would drill down into, like, a, an, a, a very intimate scene between, like, Miles and his father. He, they, by the way, that was a great byplay there, or it was really his uncle. The scenes with Miles and his uncle were really good. Um, or it's those moments where he's by himself and you can see him kind of like just emotionally struggling. And, and for a cartoon to emote, for like the visual picture of a cartoon to emote is is very difficult, uh, you know, on a good day. They captured it really, really well. Uh, but they had a lot of really unique things that they did from a visual style uh, component in there that I... I am eager to see that, to see more things in this style if it's done well. Like 
I think if this was if they tried to do these same things, but it was executed not as well, it would it would be jarring and probably not really fun to watch. Uh, but because this was this was executed so well, it was very ambitious and it was executed well. Uh, you got this very uh, specific visual experience that really sucked you into the movie, into the story. Uh, I, I think I think if they if they are a shade less less good at at uh, at putting that together, though, it would be very uh, it'd, it'd be almost off putting maybe in some ways though. Yeah, I could see a lot of ways this could have gone gone poorly. Um, but like you said, the way it was executed, it was just so perfect that it it, it really worked. Um, despite being a little more risky, I think it, it really worked out for the best. What do you think of the visuals, Libby? I enjoy the visuals from someone who is, um, I don't know, a lot of uh, that comic book style can get annoying to me. I think it was more, um, not the word interested. I enjoyed how they did the pig Spider-Man. And I know you're laughing, but like, like if you looked at him, he was just a tad flatter than everyone else. And that's just, you know, something you white person would probably notice. But I'm like, I know that was an intentional and that's a touch that I, I, I think uh, I appreciate. Let's put it that way. Well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, but I, I did. I did. That is that is interesting that the most normal comic character, cartoon character out of the group is the one you picked out. Yeah, no, it was, it's, it's pretty funny. I mean, that was definitely the, the, the one that was most different from the rest of them. But uh, well, I thought it was going to be terrible. It's like, what the hell are they doing? Like, it hits that point, like it does with, you know, anime series where you're like, they, they went here. And I'm not sure how the rest of this is going to play out. But no, I think they did a good job even bringing a crazy character like that in. Uh, so I think, we, I think that, that covers Spider-Verse or Into the Spider-Verse pretty well. Um just curious, have you guys uh, have you guys seen Aquaman yet? I have not. Nope. Okay, I'll give you a, a very quick hot take on that one. By far, uh, I, it's right up there with with Wonder Woman as maybe the number one or certainly number two DC movie I've seen yet. Uh, really good, very very good. They definitely marvelled it up a little a little bit. Um, that's a really good movie. I, I would definitely recommend seeing that one. Uh, no issue giving that one a uh, a pass for like check that one out when you want like a, a couple hours of just fun, just really fun smiling entertainment. It's it's actually really good. Jason Momoa, very good Aquaman. A lot of fun with that. So uh, definitely definitely recommend you check that one out. And I would say also from the world of visual spectacle, that movie looks. Awesome. I don't. I don't know how much money they spent on it, but it was a lot, and you could see every single red cent of it on that screen, straight up. So, definitely think you guys should uh, should check that one out. Uh, I'd be interested to hear you guys' thoughts on that one at some point. All right, sounds good. Have you seen the Rolf breaks the internet yet? Um, no, I have not. That's all on my uh, required watch list, uh, according to my son. Yeah, no, it's. I, I love the first one. I, we haven't gotten around to seeing that the second one yet, but uh, Zell had left some notes. He was talking about that one and Mortal Engines, and just kind of want to re- relay his thoughts real quick on that. So he said, "Brawl Breaks the Internet's fantastic. It has a really good middle credit scene that's very meta and on point." Um, but uh, he said, "Yeah, it's it's worth 
definitely worth watching if you like the original one. Um, it's one I haven't gotten around to, but I certainly want to, uh, just because it, it's it's kind of tongue in cheek if, if you are more familiar with a lot of the stuff they're talking about, which I think will be a lot of fun. And then Mortal Engines, I think that was the one where they've got like the giant cities rolling around on basically wheels. Um, he said it was it was okay, felt a little rushed. Uh, could have been like two or three movies, and the characters were developed enough. Not sure if I'll go see this one. I, I it looks like it would have been a really good book, but it, it, it looks. It was. Okay, it was a book. That's where it came from. It's a it's a book series that was. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty detailed too. It's a it's a it's a it's a pretty big sweeping book series. It's kind of um, somewhere uh, centered on like sort of the latter Harry Potter books and above in terms of its age bracket. Uh, so not, I would say it's it's definitely a little bit. It's definitely better than like the the Katniss Everdeen books, uh, but it's kind of in that sort of mid late teen and above sort of uh, complexity level. It's pretty good. It, it, the books themselves are not bad, and I, I was very very anxious to hear what he said about that movie, though. Yeah, because like I said, it looked it almost looked like it was a a book adaptation. I wasn't I wasn't, didn't realize there was actually a book series, so that, that always makes me a little wary because that can. You know, it can go 50-50 on that, but uh, you know, it, it looked like an interesting concept at the very least. So I haven't seen that one either, but uh, if we can get Zell on the show again in a few weeks here, he might be able to talk a little more in-depth about his thoughts on those two films. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so did you have anything else that you wanted to, to cover uh, while we were on the night on the mic tonight? Um, just a couple really quick things. Um, apparently Star Citizen got uh, $46 million funding from an investor which is about 10% of the company, which is apparently just for marketing. Um, it's a lot of money for marketing, but I guess, you know, that's, that's what they're going for. Um, and yeah, there's a couple updates coming in. I, I won't get into it too deep just because I'm not as familiar with what all of those entail, but it was kind of curious that uh, they've sold 10% of the company to an investor to basically market uh, star citizen. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if that means a quote unquote release is imminent if that ever happens, but it is kind of curious to see that them uh, making some of these bigger moves financially. It also looks like the lawsuit that Crytek had with them is mostly dead and just kind of passed on. That was the lawsuit that Crytek had with Star Citizen for the use of the Crytek engine, which was later transferred over. And there was some some ambiguity regarding if they used it for Squadron 42, which is kind of a separate game um, from the main Star, Star Citizen game. And so there was some back and forth regarding if they were legally allowed to use it or if there was stolen code in the engine that they ultimately ended up using. But from the sounds of it, a lot of those lawsuits have been dropped or resolved and that's all over. So uh, probably good news for RSI that they're in the clear for that, not to worry about it anymore. And uh, I guess it's too bad for Crytek if they're hoping to kind of get a big uh, cash in on that one. Uh, other quick thing, uh, we got a poke fun at Fall 76 uh, at least once a week. So apparently um, one of the big game mechanics for the game is that you can find nu- parts of nuclear codes uh, around the world and you kind of assemble the codes together and then you can put them into a nuclear silo and you can launch a nuke at certain locations. It blows up the area and it kind of turns it into this like irradiated uh like high tier dungeon where you can go in and get high level loot and there's all kinds of crazy monsters there stuff cool fine um apparently the whole reset thing happens every monday and the way they programmed it it doesn't work in the year 2019 like it was hard-coded to last year or something because as soon as the new year passed over 
Uh, it's a, they Y2K'd themselves? They, they literally Y2K-19 <laughs> themselves. Um, it, it's so apparently, yeah, the new year broke all of the nukes and people were reporting like they'd go in and there'd be like a like a silo sign that would normally like display like how close you were to completing the code and it just had like pound signs instead and, you know, uh, a hollow tape that would give you like a little hint of the thing would say, oh, the system's not online right now. Um, so yeah, they Y2K19 themselves and the nukes no longer work this year, which is kind of like a big part of the game. So that's cool. GG Bethesda, usual. Hey, you know, they, they just can't <laughs> they can't win this month or last two months. It's, it's just, it's incredible. Like it, 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 you're starting to feel sorry for them and how bad this is getting where it's like, they just can't seem to get it together. And it's just this endless mess of, of screw ups. And it's just, it's terrible. <laughs> I can only imagine that whatever's gone, like, I, I know we poke fun at them, but I, it's one of those where if you're in the, if you're on the development team, there's got to be like, y- you are probably a professionally embarrassed a little bit. And you know, like, you know, those people know that that product isn't good and you know that and everything around them though, is continuing to press forward on the, on, you know, selling as much fallout as they can sell. Uh, and the people working on it professionally are, you, you know, they're, they're just, God, I, I wish I could have like made a better, you know, had more time to make this game. Cause my, the only thing I can come up with is there's some other influences out there that made them push that out, uh, well before it was ready. Cause I can't imagine, cause you know, they've put out good stuff in the past or certainly at least much more polished things. I can't imagine anybody thinking that that was ready to go, uh, in, in its current state. And then on top of that, everything around it is just a grease fire, most of which is something related to how to get more money. That has nothing to do with the game, a.k.a. the shitty rum or the bad handbags or, you know, whatever. Um, And again, I still hold to this belief that somebody over there is on the Obsidian payroll because Outer Limits is looking better and better every day. I have to make bait his... uh... Fallout 76 was an inside job sticker still. But yeah, no, it's, it's like Livy and I were talking about it. And it's like, you can only imagine the developers knowing this thing is going to launch and just sitting there that night going, well, tomorrow's going to suck. <laughs> you know, just, just realizing how much of a mess this is going to be and what they're going to have to do to to fix it, you know. And, and then they've got Elder Scrolls 6 on the horizon and it's like, God, I hope they don't, you know, plow through that one, to try to make up for this and try to get better cash flow. Because I mean, it's showing that like not many people bought Fallout 76. Like I think the, the beta really scared people off and there wasn't a huge following. I think someone was saying like 700,000 people bought it on PS on PlayStation, which is abysmally low for, for a, a title like this to release at. Um, so I'm sure Bethesda's hurting from this and the PR is certainly not helping. So I, I, I only hope that they don't respond by, you know, trying to rush through the next product just to kind of make up for it on the financial side. Well, isn't that the trap that they all, that game developers get in though? Like they, they need to release something to make money or keep money going. And then that goes bad, which then immediately reflects potentially on their next project which is probably where most of their assets are, are actually invested in, in terms of manpower and time. Yeah, it's it's basically, you know, the same thing that happened with Mass Effect 3, or correction, Mass Effect Andromeda. 
you know, they, they had a lot of people, they transplanted a lot of people out of that game to work on some other stuff. I believe Anthem actually. So it makes you kind of wonder, hopefully whatever else that they've got cooking is better. And this was just some kind of stopgap, but that's time. And again, that has proven to be a bad business decision if you're a game developer. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, it's just, it's crazy seeing a giant like Bethesda in this position and you were like, holy shit, like, is this, are they going to last at this rate? You know, it's just, it's crazy at this sudden shift. And we're so wondering what happened, like what decision was made that, you know, made them start being crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's always the million dollar question, right? And what, what corporate head or who decided that, you know, shift this, I mean, it's, it's Activision Blizzard. So you never know. Um, so yeah, it's, it's crazy. But uh, one last thing that I had, have you heard about this whole Soldier Boy thing going on, Jay? No. Okay, so... Oh, Lord. <laughs> brief, brief recap. So Soldier Boy is like an older rapper. Like, when was he popular living? Um, he's not in my purview, but I know there was a dance where you, you do yeah, something like and say S-O, Soldier Like S-O-U-L-J-A, like Soldier Boy? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, like Soldier, but with soul. I know who you were speaking of, but I know nothing else that you're about to say. Okay, so he had this brilliant idea that he's going to release a game console. Uh, so what he basically did is went to the Chinese markets and bought like a knockoff console wholesale that was loaded full of basically Nintendo um, stolen, like pirated ROMs of old Nintendo games. And started selling these for like a lot. Like they were way overpriced just based off of like the specs alone, but the fact that they were full of effectively stolen um, software and people are like, are you, are you insane? Like, and he's like, no, 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 man, it's all legit. You know, it's, we have these things licensed and you know, you're all just a bunch of racist haters. And um, if Nintendo was going to shut me down, they would have done it day one. They ain't going to do shit. And he's going, he's basically talking his, his ass off on Twitter about all of this. And this went on for probably about two weeks. And it, it was kind of this, like, first it was like a, like a, like a switch level console. Then there was handhelds and all this other crap. It was basically all knockoff Chinese consoles with stolen software. And people on YouTube were kind of like, dude, like you're going to get destroyed. And he's like, and down with all the haters and all this shit and then all of a sudden it was all gone all of the products were gone off the website all of the advertisement on it was gone it all disappeared um and he basically just said like yeah i had to i had to man up to it and you know whatever so people actually bought this thing and they never received it um and it's all gone now and they can't really legally sell it because it's all stolen property and i'm sure nintendo stepped in and was like dude come on um so yeah that's some fun with the uh the soldier boys let's sell some cheap chinese knockoffs and i'm too ignorant to realize that i don't actually have the rights to sell this crap regardless of whoever i bought them from told me it, it it's been a hilarious trip and, and if you haven't been following there's some good stuff on, on online you can kind of get the whole timeline it's it's fantastic yeah don't mind me i'm googling this right now it, it's 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 beautiful oh drama. <laughs> Holy. Well, especially when you look and you see what they looked like and you're like, are you serious? Like, you really thought that was going to pass? Well, and, and he's like, yeah, like all these third-party developers lined up and he's got like all these logos yeah. and it's like 
fucking like id software and square enix and stuff i'm like that is not happening like there's no way in hell that those people signed up for this that this is okay so i'm i'm i've got my dual instagrams and twitters up and shazam (laughs) i how did i miss this oh my god this is good. Oh, this is good. I'm gonna I'm gonna kick back and listen to some podcasts later tonight and read this shit. <laughs> oh yeah, it's 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 a beautiful thing. And I've kind of been listening just like off and on, and then I heard that they finally shut it all down, and it was just like, oh, this is great. Because <laughs> there's been a lot of back and forth, the people being like, "You're an idiot. This is illegal," and then people telling them, "You're just you know, like I said, just a racist who doesn't want this guy to be successful." and Oh, it's it's beautiful. Um, so yeah, I, like I said, I, I won't get into all the details, but it's some good entertainment if you want to check it out. Oh no, that's I'm 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 classic on that one. That's good. Hey, I, like on a good positive gaming note, uh, I did we did get Subnautica this week for it's actually finally out on the, uh, the PlayStation. Um, it's it's been out on Steam for almost a year now. I, I think maybe not quite a year. If you guys haven't checked this one out, it is well worth your time. It, it is a very, very enjoyable, very fun game, very beautiful game. It's it's one of your survival game, kind of your I'm alone suddenly and I've got to kind of you know craft my way to success survival games. Uh, but it's all in a, a nautical environment, like a underwater environment. Uh, it's basically you your your ship crash lands on an ocean planet. And you're trying to figure out you're the lone survivor that you know of, and you're trying to piece together the story of what happened and get yourself rescued. So there's actually a lot. There's a there's a, a actually a pretty deep story that goes into this. It's a very detailed game. There's a lot of backstory and context to it uh, if you get into it. And it is a very fun game, very simple game, beautifully executed. It's got a really 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 nice kind of visual and uh, audio kind of feel to it. Good game. Highly recommended. Uh, my 10-year-old's been playing it. I picked it up. It's a lot of fun. It, it's it's definitely one of those where you need to, uh, you, you'll get your Explorer sort of vibe on, and uh, it is, it's a lot of fun. It, it's, not, it's not too expensive either. It's not a $60 game, but you'll definitely get your money's worth. So highly recommended that you guys check that one out. Yeah, I actually played that one a little bit when it was still in beta on PC, and I, I own the full com- the full PC release. I haven't gotten around to, to playing it yet, but that is I, I can agree with you that it's a very solid, uh, very unique survival game, and it's it's it's, it's a lot of fun. It, even if it's a, it, it, it might have improved a bit with kind of the instructions, but uh, like I said, it was it was really fun, um, and I, I do need to get get that one and go on PC. All right, anything else, guys? Before shoutouts? No, I don't think I have any. All right, so my shout-out is going to go to a film that I watched last night called Redline. It is actually an anime film that came out in 2009. It was pretty solid. Um, it basically is kind of a sci-fi setting, and it's about it follows kind of two of these uh, high-speed races. And it, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's certainly not the best, but it's a pretty fun show um, done by Studio Madhouse. Very, very unique uh, animation style. It was probably way ahead of its time when it came out, you know, about 10 years ago, but it's, it was a lot of fun. So I, I rented it on Amazon video for like three bucks. Um, definitely worth it. So if you're looking for something to watch for like hour and a half, two hours, Redline is, is pretty solid. Is it, do you know if that's on Netflix? Um, I 
don't think I saw it on Netflix, but I think I think I saw it might be available even on YouTube if you want to purchase it there. So there's there's other options if you want to get it, but I, I wasn't able to see it on Netflix. I'm just I'm just kind of curious if I can find it somewhere, man. Yeah, yeah, no, just uh, give it a search. I I'm I'm not sure, but yeah, Redline is 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 uh, the name of the show. All right, Libby, you're up. Uh, yeah, my shout out goes to all the poor people, Pokey included, who. Nintendo says Bowsette is never, ever, ever going to happen. <sighs> Sorry, buddy. Best character 2018. All right, Jay, you're up. Yep. Um, so let's see. Shout out, shout out, shout outs. Um, I don't know that I have any huge, big shout outs. Uh, so I'll give my shout out to uh, Fix, Fish Sticks, friend of the show. And, uh, it, everybody who knows who Fish Sticks is, that's all they need to know. <laughs> he is, uh, he's a pretty big deal if you don't know him. All right, guys. Well, that's our show. Um, as always, thanks for tuning in. If you want to be on the show or have any topics you want us to cover, hit us up on biomass.com. But that being said, have a safe week, and we'll see you next time. Bye.